Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Heartless. And I'm your other host, Natalie. In this podcast, Natalie and I provide our synopsis of the fiction story of Magic the Gathering and add our own flavor text and reactions as we go. We are in the heart of season four, which follows the story of the magic set, March of the Machine, finale of the Phyrexian arc. Today, we are diving into episode eight of the main story titled Renan 8 by K. Arsenault Rivera. Join us as we- Okay, hold on. Let me say that again. The title of this episode is called Ren and Eight. Yeah, you know- the bonded tree that comes after seven. And there's only one tree on New Phyrexia that Ren could bond with. Okay, so I am very ready for this. I have to find out what happens in this episode. Sorry to interrupt, Natalie. Please take us away. Join us as we head into the multiverse. Okay, so for a quick recap of our last episode, Elspeth had returned to New Phyrexia as an archangel. She went head-to-head with Elish Norn, the mother of machines, and was pretty easily outmatching Norn in her archangel form. However, it's Chandra and Ren who need her help the most. They are being chased by a swarm of Phyrexians as they try desperately to cross the bridge to get to Realmbreaker, the invasion tree. Chandra is literally carrying Ren in her arms, who was barely holding on after Nyssa had destroyed Seven, her previously bonded tree. I'm still so sad about that. I know, me too. Nyssa, meanwhile, is chasing after them. Mighty nature mage planeswalker that she is, she is cutting her way towards Chandra and Ren. And Chandra loves Nyssa. She can't bring herself to hurt her, even if Nyssa is Phyrexianized and not truly there as herself anymore. The Mirren Resistance, including Koth and Malira, are trying desperately to hold off the Phyrexian legions, but last episode Malira had taken a spear to the gut during this and fell. It was up to Elspeth to race in to buy Chandra and Ren more time, hold off Nyssa and the Phyrexians long enough to get them to the tree. And Elish Norn is still very much alive. And furious. And we begin this episode right where we left off last time. We're with Rin, while she's being carried by Chandra through the chaos, charging for the tree, avoiding Phyrexian attacks, Rin accepts a simple and heartbreaking fact. She knows she's going to die. And this is from the story. It isn't dying that scares her. Unlike Chandra, who carries Rin's frail head and torso toward the invasion tree, Rin isn't afraid of the spears and barbs the Phyrexians unleash in their direction. The gouts of flame and molten ore that fire over her shoulder, some from Chandra, some from Koth, do not frighten her either. If anything, she wishes that she could join them, but she hardly has the strength to keep the fires inside of herself at bay. Using them against others would jeopardize everything they've come here to do. That is what truly frightens Rin. The possibility that she may not be able to do what everyone is relying upon her to do. It almost reminds me of Elspeth, honestly. Just like this steadfast determination to help, to sacrifice herself, to save everyone, end the invasion. And she's afraid she can't do it. Not that she's going to die. Ren remarks here that as they get closer to Realmbreaker, his song is quiet. She can't hear him anymore, which is very concerning. Ren worries that Realmbreaker will reject her, 
that he's so far gone he won't accept the bond. And this is when Ren mentions again that they need to ferry. Specifically, they need to reach to ferry. I have no idea how Ren plans to do this. I mean, no one else knows where he is, but I think we may get some answers in a little bit. Ren turns back over Chandra's shoulder to witness the onslaught of Phyrexians. And I quote here, Thousands of Phyrexians, with thousands more being assembled on the spot. Metal shines on each, not in the way of a knight's gallant armor, but in the way of churning forges and shining needles. And though there are more eyes staring back at her than there are leaves in a forest, she sees no life in any of them. Nyssa is still chasing after them, vines throwing bodies up in the air, and these catch Chandra a few times. But still, Chandra keeps on fighting, keeps on running. Ren wonders how much pain she must be in, but Chandra remains that go-getter, courageous self she always is. I'm fine, she says, throwing fireballs behind her and incinerating flying objects before they can reach Ren. Koth uses his geomancy to create a shield of metal to protect them from a volley of needles heading in their direction. Yeah, needles, because again, Phyrexia is brutal. Needles, yeah. It's got to be something gross. And Koth is exhausted. He can only protect so many, and a couple of the Mirans, they fall to these needles, much to Koth's heartbreak and frustration. And their strength is fading for all of them. This is worrying Ren further, because... Getting to the tree is only the first part of the problem. Koth, Chandra, and the Mirans will have to hold off the Phyrexians and Nyssa to give Ren enough time to draft onto the tree itself and bond with it. And that's assuming she can do it at all. If she can't, they all die. And this is when Nyssa impales Malira through the stomach with one of her vines and Koth screams. We had seen this very scene from Elspeth's perspective last episode. And Chandra still can't bring herself to hurt Nyssa. Koth steps in, using metal and slabs of rock to cut through Nyssa's vines and stay off the attack. Only a few dozen Mirans remain, and they are falling quickly by the overwhelming Phyrexian legions around them. Nyssa's unstoppable charge will tear right through them. Malira, despite having just been impaled by Nyssa's vines, clutches at her wounds and keeps on fighting. She's clearly not okay, but she's still alive for now. She shouts at Koth to give them some kind of barricade and buy them some time. After telling Chandra, who's still holding Ren, to bolt, she does. And Koth drives his fist into the platform, sending a huge wall of molten rock shooting up into the air. It grows and grows and eventually stops the Phyrexians. But not Nyssa. Nyssa uses roots and vines to push herself up into the air higher than the wall. One of Nyssa's vines reaches out and grasps Chandra's ankle, tearing her backwards, and Ren tumbles from her grip. Nyssa dangles Chandra high above them. But then, Amirin scoops up Ren and keeps on running where Chandra left off. Koth turns his attention to saving Chandra and fighting off Nyssa, shouting at the Mirans to keep Ren moving. And this is from the story. This Mirin only gets a few steps further before one of Nyssa's spears nails them in place. They hurl Ren through the air. Two of his comrades look on in horror, but a third has the presence of mind to catch Ren and keep her going. From hand to hand, she passes, tossed through the air to keep her out of Phyrexian clutches. The Phyrexians think humans know little of unity, but Ren knows otherwise. And there's this art piece from the story that I just absolutely love that captures this scene so well. It's called Storm the Seed Core, the card, and... The flavor text also is just so, so well written. I'm going to actually have Heartless read it to you. 
Yeah, so this is from the card Storm the Seed Core, which is a green sorcery. And the flavor text says, In that moment, the fate of countless worlds rested with one dryad and a handful of the bravest Mirrodin had to offer. It's just, it it gave me chills to see this this scene so well captured on a card. And it's just those moments that you kind of live for when you're when you're a story story fanatic like Harless and I. So this art piece is so beautiful because you see the Miran resistance fighters that are carrying Rin to essentially the finish line to to try to get her to Realmbreaker, to see how far they can take her. And the absolute just care with which she's being held, but also the fierceness of the fighters in front of her is just so beautiful. And this piece is by Jason Rainbow, who did just an incredible job illustrating what this scene could look like. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah, so I think my favorite part about this piece also is the sheer variety of different Mirans, Mirans that we get to see in this art piece. Like there's a Luxodon in the background that's kind of charging through. And then there's then there's the human warriors as well carrying carrying a dryad. It's just it's a it's, it's an excellent piece and it's just so well uh, so well uh, illustrated. It's just I I loved it. Um so anyway, sorry Harless, back to you. Malira is the last one to carry Ren to the invasion tree. So after the Murans pass her forward, she ends up with Malira. And unfortunately, Chandra is still being dangled in the air by Nyssa, and Koth is desperately trying to save her. So Ren is left on her own. The Murans create a barrier of their own bodies to shield Ren at the base of Realmbreaker, but they are being plucked off of the bridge by Phyrexians and dwindling by the second. Yet still, they fight on. Malira said she can't help Ren with the fire, as in the fire inside of Ren, but can heal her a bit. And she actually uses the last of her own strength to give Ren a boost of that light and strength. Malira sinks to her knees, her back against Realmbreaker, her voice and life fading away. Oh, this is just so tragically heartbreaking, this whole scene. And Ren, with a little extra strength now, she knows what she needs to do. She closes her eyes as her roots meld into the invasion tree. No, he has another name, one he prefers, and it would be rude of her not to use it. Realmbreaker. Sickness floods her senses. Oil roils over her roots, swirling with evil. No song fills her, no call of the forest, only an insistence that she does not belong. She doesn't. But no matter what Realmbreaker says, she's going to stay. And then Ren begins to sing. Sing to Realmbreaker, insist upon the bond, building the fire within the hollow of her chest. As soon as she starts building that fire, it's far too eager. It's rising up to fight the tree's ill intent, and there is a lot of ill intent in Realmbreaker. So this fire consumes her, consumes them both. Ren clenches her jaw tight. You can burn, but only the things that aren't me, she thinks. Chandra said, thinking at it, my help. A flare within her belly, the smell of burning oak, the thousand voices within Realmbreaker scream at once, but so too does Ren. How is the fire meant to tell the two apart? They are one and the same now. Already Realmbreaker's foulest thoughts echo within her own mind. They must spread. They must claim what is already claimed. They must wake the plain to the glories of new Phyrexia. Like a fungus gone mad, they continue their shouting even as the fire consumes them. And while this is happening, Elspeth arrives on the scene. Ren can vaguely see her through the fire, and she appears to Ren as this golden blast that cuts through Nissa's attack on Chandra and saves her. 
Chandra manages to run over to Ren at the base of Realmbreaker, crying out to her. Ren responds, but the story describes how Ren begins to become Realmbreaker, and it's swallowing her. Ren begins to flicker into ash. Chandra gives Ren the encouraging words that she needs to hear. She says, fire is going to burn, no matter what you do, but you can shape it if you try. Like a growing plant, fire needs guidance. And this makes it easier for Ren to think through the pain, to give her direction. Rather than tampering the fire blazing within her, trying to triumph over Realmbreaker, it is more about shaping it. The landscape in her mind changes. Colors take shape. A twisting tree sprouts from red to gold, its branches burnished copper. An unseen wind stirs its leaves. Slowly they are falling away, fading as they spiral. An endless lake of black oil surrounds the glowing tree. Bubbles rise and burst across its surface, each one a voice, each one pleading for Ren to join them. But she won't. Not yet. And within this fiery landscape, deep within Realmbreaker's core, surrounded by hate and fire and darkness, Ren hears a faint little whisper. A desperate, weak call. Faint. Fading, the barest whisper of green against the darkness. But it is there. And as soon as she hears it, Ren sends her fires blazing out to it. She recognizes that this may be way too much for this little sapling, shy and struggling to survive within Realmbreaker, but she has no choice. She can only hope that this little sapling, what Realmbreaker truly is, will understand. A sapling no larger than her hand, struggling against the dark. How lonely this delicate creation. How long has he been here in the dark? Cursed spots align its edges. What green remains is pale as sea foam. This is not a place meant for the living. As her mind reaches for him, as his song fills her ears, she shapes the fires once more. An incandescent forest springs from the oil, the burning path leading straight to the sapling. All around them, the oil begins to bubble, to churn. Join us. Bark that never breaks, leaves that never shed, a fire that never burns itself out. Join us, and you will be eternal. But Ren does not want to, and the sapling doesn't either, his song going shrill with fear. Ren shapes the fire to allow the sapling to grow, commands it to grow, for all of us, she says. And although the little sapling is shy, he senses that he is surrounded by protection, that Ren will protect him, and so he grows. Tall. So impossibly tall. Within seconds, his tiny little whisper of a song grows into a booming chant. A warrior, a massive tree with branches thick as boulders. This tree grows, becomes something else, between fire and growth repelling the Phyrexian oil, breaking metal with its bark. And so Ren greets his song. Hello, Eight, she says. Let's introduce you to Teferi. (gasps) Eight! Eight! I gotta say, you have impeccable timing. It is really, really nice to meet you, Eight. Magic fans of the multiverse out there, meet Eight. Eight, meet the multiverse. And that's exactly what Eight intends to do. He knows he doesn't have much time. The fires blazing within him and Ren protect them for now, but they will engulf them both very soon. Eight must grow. Grow into something that no other tree can. It grows into the multiverse. And To help you understand what that means, I'll let the story uh, tell it to us. Ren shoots through the dark like a star through a moonless sky. And here she's sitting on one of Realmbreaker's branches, so that's why she's like shooting through the sky with him. 
a hundred years of growth, two, three, happen in the span of seconds. Had she a stomach, it'd be lost somewhere in the rising tides of black oil beneath them. The higher they go, the worse pain she's in. But she holds on tight, all the same. The others said eight was the kind of tree who bridged whole planes together. At first, Bryn wasn't certain how she'd guide him on her own. She sees now that there was no need for worry. He wants to grow. All he needs is the power that she lends him. Fires churning in his belly, eight reaches for new planes. His branches grow, splitting here and there, each its own pathway. Something in the dark gives, and soon he's torn holes all around them. Bryn can't count them all. It is as if she is stepped within the eye of an insect. Where there was once darkness, there is now a kaleidoscope of light. I just love that description of looking into the multiverse through eight's eyes. Like, that's that's how eight sees, right? It's not actual eyes, but seeing it through as if it's like a kaleidoscope. I just, that was a vivid picture for me on on a different kind of lens of looking at the multiverse. It was just, it was, it was so cool. It gave me goosebumps. So through these lenses, through this kaleidoscope of looking through the multiverse, Ren and Eight witnessed the horrors of Phyrexia, destroying every plane they bridge. But their goal is to find the hidden place. Ren encourages Eight that they will have to get lost in the multiverse in order to find it. But they will be together. They can find it. It'll be all right. And they do. After tangling through the multiverse, going ever upward, Ren describes finding the traces of Teferi's time magic, like locating a clumsy trail of a friend. And with that, following that clumsy trail, they arrive in Zalfir, her and eight, a blue sky filled with trees and sunlight and life. They make it to Teferi, bridging across the multiverse and opening a portal into Zalfir. The portal is small at first, just small enough for Ren and Teferi to recognize each other, reach ever slightly through the gap. Teferi, anticipating Ren's arrival with the queen and huge coalitions of Zalfir's warriors by his side, approaches Ren and calmly asks how he can help. Ren tells him that he is needed on new Phyrexia. We need a great hero, Ren says. To which Teferi replies, and this is just so sweet, a great hero? I happen to be looking at one. And he's referring to Ren here. Ren is a hero. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, and in the story, Ren is about to become even more of a hero in this next scene. So Teferi has the army of Zalfir beside him. They just need a way to get into New Phyrexia and save everyone. Ren cannot physically help fight beside her friends any longer, but there is one last thing she can do to help them. You undo a tangle by moving through it. She and Eight could do the same here. If they tried, they could push the planes toward one another until New Phyrexia gave, and then leave this one in its place. Ren doesn't know where it'll go. Eight doesn't seem to either. All he offers is that it's someplace dark, someplace that isn't a place at all. And the two of them won't have long afterward. I'm all right with that, Ren says. At least we'll have each other. And Ren starts to say her goodbyes to Fairy right then. Which is so sad. It's so sad. Yeah. She says, It was nice to meet you, Teferi. I hope whatever remains of me will remember. And Teferi responds with, Whatever remains of me will always remember my friend, Ren. He says, A hero whose name precedes her. And then, 
Ren closes her eyes and grows. The portal that springs up before the gathered warriors of Zalfir would put a mountain to shame. Wreathed in flame, yet smooth as the surface of a lake, it is a thing of beauty. This portal is beautiful, but the place beyond it is not. It bridges directly into Nuphorexia, right where Elspeth is fighting Elish Norn, desperately trying to hold back the overwhelming forces of Phyrexia. Phyrexian centurions, war machines, legions beyond counting. All of them pour out of the portal into Zalfir, and Elishnorn flings Elspeth away, sending her crashing into Zalfir, unleashing the hordes of Phyrexia. We end this episode with one line. It has been many years since they were called to war, but Zalfir stands ready. Whoa. So what Ren just did was basically collapse New Phyrexia into Zalfir. Like she, she basically merged the two. And so imagine the entirety of Nuphorexia being poured into Zalfir all at once. Um, I hope Zalfir is ready. <laughs> that's that's yeah. all I can say. Zalfir seems to think that they're ready. Zalfir, I have I have no question that they're going to rise up to this. And I mean, Teferi's yeah. been prepping them for for the war that would come. But oh my gosh, it's the entirety of Nuphorexia coming at them all at once. And Elish Norn, by the way, is still alive. She's still alive. Yes. And I mean, luckily they do still have Elspeth, but this is this is going to be a pretty massive battle, I think. In this episode, what I found really sweet was just the relationship of this tiny little baby sapling and the dryad, right? Like that yeah. is what dryads yeah. are made to do is make things grow and protect them. And she gets to really be completely that in the scene where she is, you know, bonding with, with Realmbreaker. And I was just so happy that Realmbreaker was ready to accept her as well. And it shows that there still was that little sapling that we saw back on Dominaria still inside the Realmbreaker. Yeah. And that was still pure. It, it was wasn't Phyrexianized. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what Ren is now. Like, I don't think Ren can ever be the same. And and she said, whatever remains of me. So I wonder if there there's pieces of Ren's consciousness inside of eight, you know, who is who is now not Realmbreaker, like has grown into something more that bridges the multiverse. But it, it did make me a little sad that it was at the cost of Ren. And yeah, it, that so that was it was it was bittersweet. I think that's the best word that I can put it is it was bittersweet. I was really glad that this it happened this way. But I was also really sad to to have Ren have to say goodbye like that. And now we don't we don't know, you know, what, what became of her. So I guess we'll just have to find out. <laughs> uh, so we, of course, still have more episodes coming your way for March of the Machine. Elspeth, Teferi, Elish Norn, Nyssa, Chandra, the war now pouring into Zalfir. We have a lot to resolve. And we had left with so many cliffhangers across the multiverse. How do the other planes fight back against this threat? All of that is coming soon. As always, you can read this story and more at mtgstory.com. We hope you liked Rin and Eight by K. Arsenal Rivera just as much as we did. And if you did, do us a huge favor and leave us a review. We super appreciate it. We'll see you next time on the Magic Story Podcast. But until then, have, have a magical, magical day. day.